When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to episode 40 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Schramm, here as always with Adam Kersenblatt, and today we've got all the latest from the WHL coming up for you, including our three stars of the week. The San Jose Sharks is our NHL team of the week, and the latest headlines, including a preview of the 14 WHL players who will be taking part in the World U-17 Challenge in Prince Edward Island in early November. Um, Adam has also been in the house out in Langley for a couple of Vancouver Giants games over the last week, including their referee appreciation game against Spokane on Sunday, where the team wore some very unique striped jerseys that got lots of attention on social media. Um, I've been fighting a bug, so I wasn't able to make it out on Sunday, although I wanted to. So uh, I want to know from your uh, firsthand perspective what uh, what the jersey situation was like at that game. Well, the jersey situation was obviously interesting. You know, you don't usually see referees wearing basically plain jerseys. Um, the one thing I will say about it is that it was very hard to distinguish between uh, Wyatt Wilson and Colton Roberts because one's a number five and one's a number six. And just kind of how like the stripes are, it kind of plays with your eyes, especially when you're, you know, up from up in the like uh, press box. So, but overall it was cool. And it, it was just weird. Like seeing, you know, there was like a little scrum at the end of the game and, like seeing players like punching referee or people wearing referee jerseys and then like the referees jumping in with their other jerseys. Uh, it, it was just like, it took a minute to adjust, but yeah, it, it was definitely a interesting experience to watch. And I know that the giants um, put all of those jerseys up for auction. Uh, the auction will end before the podcast um, is put out on Wednesday. Uh, but based off of what I've seen from their auction numbers, uh, there seems to be a lot of interest in uh, people wanting to hold on to those referee jerseys. So that's always great to see. And that you can also buy the actual referee jerseys. Uh, so that is another added uh, little cool little thing. Yeah, I, I think historically those beige sweaters were what the refs used to wear before they went to the stripes to distinguish themselves a little bit more. So I kind of liked the look of the for the, of the referees. I thought it was classy those sweaters that they were wearing. But uh, yeah, like you, I was just laughing my head off watching the live stream at the end of the game when like five guys in stripes are beating the heck out of the Spokane Chiefs, and it just seemed like like you know like imagining you know, an officiating crew just losing their cookies at the end of some game and being like, we've had enough. We won't take it anymore. It's like sort of what I was envisioning in my head. So uh, all told, I think that um, it was effective. It certainly got uh, the message out that they wanted to share 
um, about referee appreciation. That's cool that there's demand for the jerseys. And uh, like I said, I loved seeing lots of dialogue about the jerseys on social media channels that wouldn't normally cover the WHL or the Giants. So in that respect, from a PR point of view, I think it was uh, really, really cool. Like they went to a place where I don't think uh, any of us had imagined and, and did a really good job on the execution. So uh, kudos to them. Uh, now let's get into our headlines. And item one, as I mentioned, is uh, that the rosters have now been named for the World U17 Challenge in Prince Edward Island, which starts on November 2nd. Uh, there are 14 players from the WHL on two Canadian teams in total, uh, and they represent 13 teams. 13 WHL teams, eight players are on team red, six are on team white. And the only team with two players in the tournament is Lethbridge, which has Cohen Cleaver and Will Sharp, both on the team white roster. So uh, take us through it, Adam, pick out a couple of uh, team red players that fans should keep an eye on. Well, when you're looking at team red, I think the player that sticks out the most is Gavin McKenna. Um, you know, he'll be, he'll, he'll still won't be 16 by the time that the tournament starts, which is, uh, crazy to think, um, 17 points in 12 games so far. And, uh, you know, this is a player that we, when we were watching it last year, all of the talk was, uh, Macklin Celebrini, and then we didn't get to see him play, unfortunately, because he got injured. So I think that a lot of the hype going into this tournament is Gavin McKenna, especially when you kind of look at how the rosters are going to shape out um for other teams as well and uh there's going to be a lot of pressure on him for sure uh he's going to be expected to be near the top of the tournament scoring uh so we'll see what he's able to do against everybody you know the top competition at his age level and well still a little higher than his age level because i guess technically yeah. he would have one more year of u17 eligibility after this um so uh he, he still is sort of uh hitting a little bit above his uh, above his weight. But uh, you got to see him play live last week in Vancouver as well in the uh, non-referee um, game when uh, Medicine Hat came to town middle of last week. So what, um, what was your impression of seeing him play in person? Well, it was great. Um, you know, you can really tell how smart he is, especially on the power play when he gets those opportunities. Uh, in, he has so many tools. Like, not he doesn't just have a good shot. He has that vision, which um is really rare for a player that age and then before the game I actually had the chance to speak to him and Willie Desjardins um and that article actually went up uh Tuesday morning so make sure to head over to the hockey news uh WHL page to check that out but you know he he talked a little bit about how he got an opportunity last year to play um and just the amount of work that he put in this off season because he knew how hard of a league it is. And Willie Desjardins taught, you know, Willie Desjardins has been around for, you know, longer than Gavin McKenna has been alive at this point. You know, he's coached yeah. at the Olympics, the NHL, every level. And you, even Willie Desjardins was uh, met, like admitted that he was shocked at how good McKenna was when he first got in the lineup. And, you know, for a 15 year old, to play meaningful minutes in the playoffs at the WHL level is really something. Uh, and he got that opportunity. And I think that you look at how he played last year, that opportunity, and it was also, uh, you know, him practicing with the team throughout the year, maybe not playing necessarily, but practicing with the team. He really got that sense of getting to know the guys. And now it's uh be, it's a massive benefit at this point because Medicine Hat is one of the top teams in the league and McKenna is uh, one of the big reasons why. 
That's awesome. And you had a, a defenseman from Team Red you wanted to mention as well. Yeah, so uh, we're going to go with Reese Hamilton uh, out of Calgary. So um, seven points in 12 games. This is a defender that I think could really make a difference on the blue line. He's strong. He has a two strong two-way game. He can put up the points. And, uh, you know, from a WHL perspective, he's probably the top defenseman going uh, to this uh, tournament. He's top five pick from the WHL draft. So I'm excited to see uh, how that combination of uh, McKenna and Hamilton uh, work, especially if they get some time on the power play together. Okay. And who is your uh, players to watch from Team White? Yeah, so uh, we're going to look at uh, Cole Temple uh, from the Regina Pats. Six points in uh, 13 games. And he's one of those players that I think has benefited a lot from just the age group in Regina. He's a very talented player, obviously, uh, to be getting into the lineup full-time as a 16-year-old. And I've kind of he hasn't put up the points that maybe was expected at this point. Like six points in... Um, 13 games for a player his age is still good, but you, I think you would want to see him around that eight or nine point range. But I think that this tournament is going to be an awesome opportunity for him because he's going to be able to play with, you know, the best players from his age group. And I think that that opportunity is going to make him a stronger player. And I could see him being one of those players that goes in the tournament and comes out of it, a stronger player and kind of breaks out after the tournament is over for the rest of the season. Uh, and then one more player to watch on Team White. I have to go with a player that I've watched quite a bit this year, and that's uh, the Vancouver Giants, uh, Con- uh, Cameron Schmidt. Um, this player is, you know, he he doesn't look like a 16-year-old out there. Just the confidence that he has. A, like, he scored a pretty, uh, pretty beautiful power play goal just, like, from distance with his shot. He's got the speed. He You can tell, like... It's at, when you're 16 at the WHL level, there's players that have confidence. So you can kind of tell like based off of how they play, like he drives the net. He, he played physical at the beginning of the year, even though he's on the smaller side. So I'm really excited to see if he can kind of bring that skill level to the tournament and how that matches up uh, against the world's uh, best. Yeah. Um, I've, I've only seen Schmidt play in one game and I have to say when I was reviewing the notes here before we recorded, I kind of was surprised to see him on the list because I forgot he was 16 because he playing on the top line and, and playing the way that he does the way that you described, it just is a much more mature looking game. And it's, um, it's surprising that he still is, uh, is so green at this level. So uh, good call by you and, uh, and picking him out as a player to watch. And it feels like against other 16 year olds, he could, kick some serious booty at this tournament. So uh, we'll see how it goes. The other thing I think is interesting is that Canada only has two teams this year, red and white, where they had three last year at the tournament um, here in BC that you and I both attended. And I was quizzing the coaches quite a bit on that. And and, um, they were pretty emphatic about the fact that they really liked having a larger player pool and making sure that kids got opportunity at this level because it's really hard at 16-year-olds to identify, you know, the good from the great and that there are are players that could still take a a step and you don't really want them to get lost in the mix. So it's interesting to see them go down to, uh, to only two teams this year. I think it could make for more competitive Canadian rosters where the other four teams in the tournament are the U S Sweden, Finland, and Czechia. And uh, so Canada will be close to having 
you know, it's, it's top players on both of its teams. Um, but just a, an intriguing little twist there compared to, uh, to what we saw last year. So it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Uh, up next in our headlines, we've got uh, another prospect event. The WHL Cup was awarded last Sunday to Team Manitoba in the four-team tournament for 2008-born players. So those guys are basically a year younger than the U17s that we were just talking about. Um, and this was Manitoba's first ever win at the WHL Cup. Yeah, um, and they did it in exciting uh, fashion, winning in a shootout. Uh, Everett Silvertips uh, prospect uh, Brett Lisk uh, scored the winner. Um, and then you have Payne Shore, uh, goaltender for the Red Deer Rebels. This is a fifth-round pick. He stopped 53 shots in regulation and then went five for six in the shootout. So uh, that was a pretty special uh, performance. Uh, as you mentioned, Manitoba, first time winning this uh, tournament. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was just really exciting because there were just so many different standouts. Uh, the players that you kind of expected to step up really did. And it, there were a lot of high scoring games, which is also fun. But even though there were high scoring games, like the goaltending was really good. So I think when you when you kind of look at the WHL and OHL and QMJHL, it's kind of hard to get a read on what the goaltender classes look like in a lot of cases. But I think the fact that there were a, that there were quite a few goalies that made impressions and quite a few goalies that weren't drafted that made impressions I think that's a positive sign to see for the future of the league. Uh, that's great. And um, Manitoba's Carson Carrolls, who was a defense prospect for Prince George, was named the tournament MVP. And Shore and Lisk were also named to the tournament all-star team from the Manitoba squad. Uh, in the bronze medal game, Saskatchewan took down BC by a score of 6-2. to two, Not quite as much of a nail-biter there. Um, BC's Ruck twins, Liam and Marcus, were also both named All-Stars at forward. And so was Dane uh, Buker from Saskatchewan. Were there any other takeaways or standouts from the, uh, from the tournament? Anything else you wanted to mention? It was just interesting to kind of see the different styles of play. So it's like kind of like the more... East you went, the more defensive the team got. So like BC, <laughs> you had the Ruck brothers who each had over who each had double digits. Like, and they were just like the high flying Ruck brothers. Like it was basically watching the Sedine, like to an extent, you know. Um, which uh, I'm really interested to see because they're part of that Medicine Hat Tigers group. So uh congrats to the Medicine Hat fans because uh, you have the Ruck brothers, you have Andrew Basha, you have Kane Lidstrom, you have Gavin McKenna. Like that's going to be absolute bedlam in the net, like for the next couple of years, like good, like congrats on, uh, being able to watch that every night. But like Alberta had a very high scoring team as well. And then you have a Saskatchewan or Saskatchewan and Manitoba who, you know, they could score, but they were like kind of eking out wins. Like they were playing, like they didn't have. They didn't blow anybody out of the water, like shot wise. Uh, so it was just kind of an interesting contrast because you kind of think, you know, of those like, you don't want to generalize, but like the Prairie Boys who are kind of like the hard nose, like work hard type players. And it it, it was really kind of interesting to see that that you know idea play out in a tournament, even with players that were born in two thousand eight. 
Yeah, again, like the fact that they're so far removed from sort of the origins of those stereotypes and yeah. that they're still so young, but yet somehow it's just kind of in their blood that they that they are what they are and, and have been kind of raised in those molds. You're right, that is really, uh, really interesting to ponder. Um, now we'll turn back to the WHL it itself and uh, go back to the West Coast for a team that um, is not only scoring a whole lot of goals, but is also not giving up hardly any goals as well. Um, the Portland Winterhawks are still number one in the CHL rankings for the third straight week and are now up to eight straight wins. Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Portland because I feel like with everything that Prince George is doing, we haven't really given like Portland its props for this eight-game win streak because they're just it it's something else, like what they've been able to do over these last eight games. So uh, they pushed it to eight with a 5-1 win over Everett. Um, but yeah, some of the numbers behind this run are absolutely insane. So they've allowed two or more goals twice. The first one was against Kelowna in game one when uh, they allowed five goals. And then game four against the Giants when they allowed two. So six of the eight games have been one goal or fewer. Like there are teams that that doesn't happen over like a 30 game span where they have one goal or fewer. It's it's just pretty incredible, and a big part, uh, Jan Spooner, the goaltender, 7-0, and and he has a goals against average of uh, 1.05. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, that's a pretty good, uh, if he can keep that up, uh, uh, we could be looking at some historic numbers out of the Portland goalkeeper. And just to give, like, kind of a, a perspective, they've won all but one game by three or more goals, and they've outscored opponents 49-12. to So, uh, you know, they're on the road in Alberta. They do the Alberta swing. So we'll see if they can uh, finish that and go up 14 and 0. Uh, they do have two more games after the Alberta swing before going home. So yeah, we'll see if they, I guess if they can uh, pull off another eight game uh, sweep on this uh, eight game road trip. Well, if there's one thing I learned from watching Connor Bedard last year, it's that I should never doubt anybody in the Western Hockey League. But um, I took a look at that uh, Alberta road swing schedule for Portland, and I have to say, I will be very surprised if they can get through uh, the the for even the first four games without uh, without a loss because they've got uh, they start on Friday in Red Deer and then they've got three games in three nights and four in five nights. So Spooner is not going to be able to play them all for one thing, and uh, just the the toll that that takes in terms of night after night after night of games with travel and everything else, and uh, you know weather starting to change as well. They could hit some snow and stuff along the way, so that could make their trips a little bit longer. I just feel like there's there's a lot that they'll have to overcome if they want to keep it going. And if they do, more props to them. Like I would be super impressed if they're able to keep this going, even if they're only winning by like two goals a game. Um, that would be magical and very cool. Um, I also wanted to just quickly note, as you mentioned, that the WHL does still have three other teams in the CHL top 10 as well. Um, Saskatoon moved up to number three this week. Prince George is up again to number four. And uh, Moose Jaw had a couple losses, so they slipped down to number seven, but are still comfortably entrenched. There are four WHL teams in the top seven in the country. Doesn't sound uh, Doesn't sound too bad to me. Um, and from that note, actually, this is a good segue. I, I, I'm sure you heard uh, Connor Bedard's comments when uh, he was talking about Vegas and pointed out the fact that the Golden Knights have more WHL players than uh, any other NHL team and just sort of 
Vidar just shrugged and was like, well, that's why they won. Um, so I like to see him again out representing for the league and the bright spotlight that he lives under. So um, this week we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about WHL alums who are making an impact in the AHL. This is mostly younger players that are, are getting their first sort of pro start and getting their, getting their feet wet. Um, before Kelly McCrimmon inevitably trades for them to add to his Golden Knights squad going forward. So uh, um, let's start in the land of Kelly McCrimmon in Manitoba. Yeah, so uh, we'll jump over to uh, Brad Lambert to start, who has uh, shown no problem producing for the Manitoba Moose. He's up to uh, six points through his first four games. Uh, the Jets' 2022 first-rounder uh, looked good for Seattle last season and um, is projected to have a good season for the moose so we'll see if he pushes for that spot uh with the winnipeg jets this season or if they wait until uh the season is over and into next season before they give him a uh, long look um speaking of problem players who have no problem lighting the lamp uh, logan stankoven he's got four goals through his first five games and is near the top of the league scoring with seven points uh so far he has a point in uh, four of his uh first five games and has already recorded his first uh, career multi-goal game, which came against uh, Milwaukee on Saturday. Uh, if there's one thing that we know about Stan Coven is that he loves to score goals. So uh, this is not super surprising to see him uh, starting to go off in the AHL. So that's definitely something that we'll uh, monitor, especially if uh, Dallas starts to get some injuries, uh, if he gets that opportunity to be called up. And then uh, over to uh, Tucson with the Roadrunners, where we have Dylan Gunther. Um, up to three points in his first four games. And he actually scored the game winners that uh, on Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. So before we started recording against the San Diego goals. So good to see uh, Gunther um, producing at the AHL level. Uh, and I'm sure that, you know, Arizona is going to give him an opportunity sometime during the season. Yeah, so those guys are all high draft picks, but there were a couple of uh, undrafted Abbotsford Connects that you also wanted to mention. Yeah, so Archdeep Baines and uh, Tristan Nielsen have uh, started the season hot in Abbotsford. So starting with Baines in his second season, he recorded his first career four-point night during Abbotsford's season opener against Laval on Friday. He's already up to seven points in four games, so not bad. Uh, meanwhile, Nielsen, uh, Tristan Nielsen continues to produce as he's up to four points in his first three games, but unfortunately he's injured at the moment because he took a pretty big shot to the head uh, uh, in front in Friday's game against Calgary. So we'll kind of monitor and see how long he's out for because both of these players are supposed to have massive seasons for Abbotsford. And with both of them being signed, you know, maybe an opportunity at the NHL comes up uh, later on in the season. Yeah, I thought Bain's got a nice long look at training camp as well this year. So um, clearly, as a guy who produced well for for Red Deer in his uh, in his twenty year old season, he's made the most of the opportunity that he's been given. And uh, I really like the um, Canucks organization's commitment to trying to. Um, um, bring along players from BC and players with BC roots like Nielsen as well, who played for the giants. So um, that's really good stuff to see. And I know that uh, um, Nielsen's heart and soul approach to the game is, uh, is certainly something that the, uh, that the Abbotsfordians appreciate both in the stands and uh, within the organization. Um, and then we had one other high ranking forward that uh, quickly got added to our AHL list uh, as we got ready to record. Yeah, and that's uh, Matthew uh, Savoy, who uh, was sent down to Rochester 
uh, on a conditioning stint on Sunday after being injured at uh, the Buffalo Sabres development camp. Now, this will be an interesting situation to keep an eye on because he's not eligible to play in the AHL, uh, regardless of how hard Buffalo tried to make that happen. Um, but he is eligible to play a couple games because he's there on a conditioning stint. So once that conditioning stint is done, Buffalo is going to have to make the decision on whether or not they want to keep him at the NHL level or send him down to uh, Wenatchee, which I'm pretty sure that uh, Bliss Littler and his uh, uh, coaching staff would uh, love to uh, have him uh, become a wild uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that that's true. Um, good, good experience for Savoy, having been around the, uh, the the Buffalo system here for the last month, month and a half or so, um, and going through sort of an NHL caliber of rehab. And like you said, he played some AHL games in the playoffs last year, so Rochester's not an entirely new thing to him. But you got to feel for the guy because he was born on January 1st. He's literally one day too young to qualify to <laughs> play in the uh, in the AHL this year. And even though uh, Wright was able to get an exemption. It doesn't seem like the uh, CHL's generosity is going to extend as far as Savoy. So uh, we should see him back in the dub, and that's good news for us. Um, now, what about some of the uh, new AHLers uh, back on defense? Yeah, so as expected, it didn't take long for Olin Zellweger to adjust to life in the AHL. Already up to four points uh, on the season, and he scored his first career AHL goal against the Ontario Reign, which, of course, came on the power play, which, you know, from watching the WHL, we know too well about Olin Zellweger scoring on the power play. Uh, last year, we kind of marveled at, like, his shot totals, and he seems to have carried that into the WHL. He had seven shots in his first game of the season. So nice. this is a player that I know that we kind of talked about when is he going to get the opportunity to play with the Ducks. I, If he keeps this up, I don't think it would be too much longer. Uh, maybe after the trade deadline. I know that's kind of thinking far ahead, but uh, like I, I just don't see a, I don't see a way unless there's an injury or something that he doesn't finish the year as a duck. Um, I'm still sort of imagining that it's going to be a matter of flip-flopping those three defensemen of the year that it's like him and Minchikov and Luno and probably all three of them aren't going to stay with the big club all year. And so he's just biding his time and we'll get, uh, we'll get his turn to be the young guy. I also noticed, even though he plays on the right side, um, poor Jamie Drysdale is injured again after two games. Um, and so even though he missed almost all of last season with a shoulder injury, this is a lower body thing, but he's back on IR. And so that does make another hole on Anaheim's defense that wasn't there before. So it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they continue to manage their rosters as they go forward there. And uh, you had goalie as well. Goalies. Yeah. So Dylan Garand, uh, 2-0 to start the year with a 1.01 goals against average with the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, former Kamloops Blazer is definitely living up to the hype that he uh, set when he was in the WHL. So great to see there. And then uh, after spending most of the season in the ECHL last year, uh, Sebastian Casa is up with the Grand Rapids uh, Griffin, Griffins and has started strong, posting a uh, 947 save percentage uh, in two starts. And how could we forget uh, Dustin Wolf? Uh, Calgary Wrangler goaltender is once again showing why he deserves to be in the NHL after going 3-0. and um, And he's faced over 100 shots, made over 100 saves. And I kind of 
look at the Dustin Wolf situation and I also look at Matthew Phillips. Like if Calgary isn't careful, they could lose Wolf before they get an opportunity to see what he can do. I know that Wolf has played a game in the NHL by now, but like you look at Matthew Phillips and what he's been able to do at Wash in for the Washington Capitals so far and uh, you know, if I'm Calgary, I'm doing everything I can to get Wolf up there so I don't lose him uh, through free agency or whatever situation comes up. Yeah, the um, the the, the Dan Vladar situation is not going super well in Calgary right now. So as much as they still are tied to him contractually, if he uh, gives up a few more six spots like he did over the weekend, um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Flames decide to just um, eat that dead cap and and bring Wolf up and see if he can help them get some wins because uh, you know it doesn't have to be a permanent decision but they can uh, they can kind of play it out and and see what happens. I I think they're aware that he's far too valuable to uh, you know to let uh, slip away the way that uh, the way that Matthew Phillips did. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anyways, <clears throat> excuse me, let's uh, let's move on to our three stars of the week. And uh, we're starting, what do you know, in Portland. <laughs> the Wintercocks have their eight-game winning streak, and Kyle Shazowski is a big part of that. Yeah, so in two games this week, he had a hat-trick against Brandon on Wednesday and followed it up with a goal and an assist against Everett. Uh, undrafted 19-year-old, he has 13 points in nine game, and... He sits second in the league when it comes to plus minus at plus 15. He's one of those guys that doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot, but is, you know, one of the important, like plays a really important role for that team. Um, you know, we talk about James Stefan uh, a lot because of how, uh, how strong he has been offensively and obviously Luca Kenyoni on the back end, but Kyle Chazowski is definitely a special player that uh, play people should pay attention to. Yeah, um, Chizowski's seven goals have him tied for the team lead with Stefan. But as you as you mentioned, the way that he uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle is because Portland hasn't even played 10 games yet and already has seven players that are in double digit points. So, um, you know, that's that's lofty company and uh, hard to get yourself noticed. So let's let's make sure Kyle's mom knows that he's your third star of the week and <laughs> can uh, appreciate his moment in the sun. Um, now for our second star of the week, uh, we go to the other CHL top 10 team, the Prince George Cougars, and you've singled out Riley Height. Yeah, so Riley Height was dishing the biscuit against the Medicine Hat Tigers on Sunday. A goal and four assists in what was our uh, game of the week. Uh, before that on Saturday, he had a goal and an assist and went seven for nine in the faceoff uh, circle against Kamloops. Uh, Minnesota Wild's second rounder is already up to 20 points in 10 games and has been a massive part of the Prince George Cougars offense, which has been an absolute wagon to start the year. And, you know, you look at kind of Riley Height. He does everything for this team, whether it's winning face-off, playing, like his defensive game has gotten a lot stronger. Uh, that seems to be the Minnesota way, you know, they find these uh, prospects and really work on their defensive game. Um, and I think that there's going to be a lot of teams that regret passing on him uh, when the season's over. 
Yeah, when I was looking at those numbers and thinking about the fact that he went at the end of the second round, it just seems kind of bonkers. And um, I had a conversation with Braden Yeager earlier this week for a magazine story that I'm working on. And um, he was talking about growing up with height and how height played center and Yeager actually played on the wing until he got to Moose Jaw and didn't get converted to the middle until he got out of Riley Height's way because Riley always got to be the center prior to that during their uh, their their minor hockey days. Um, and then looking at the numbers, you know, again, Height had 97 points last year. Now he's averaging two points a game. So it looks like he's going to blow that out of the water if he can keep this up. And once again, getting lost in the shuffle of teams with ridiculous stats, he's fourth on his team in scoring with 20 points in 10 games. So Prince George just continues to... Uh, Score, score, score. And like you said, Riley's scoring and his playmaking have been uh, a big, big part of that. So uh, now we'll move to the first the first star of the week, another uh, 2023 draftee who has probably slipped a little far lower than we would have expected and uh, is out to uh, prove some people wrong. Yeah, so Andrew Crystal is on a mission to prove everyone he is more than just Bedard's friend. Like, you know, when we were talking, how many times last year did you hear, like, Andrew Crystal? Oh, yeah, he's, like, best friends with Connor Bedard. Like, there, you know, the commercial that's out there, there's a photo of Bedard and Crystal out there. So, you know, the fact that Bedard's no longer in the WHL kind of means that Crystal can show just how good he is and get the attention that he uh, rightfully deserves. Um he was the WHO player of the week as he had a goal and eight assists in three games. Uh, <laughs> so I wrote about crystal and how he was having a historic season. And, uh, and that was when he was, uh, I think on pace for 101 or 102 uh, assists. And I was like, well, he's probably not going to, you know, get it because uh, that's pretty insane. Uh, he's now on pace for 107 assists. So uh, <laughs> that is pretty spectacular. And that hasn't been done since, no player has had more than 100 assists since the 1990-1991 season when uh, Ray Whitney and uh, Brian Sackick had uh, it. Um, so that would be pretty historic for sure. And, you know, he's playing an overall strong game, which has helped Kelowna rattle off three wins in a row. Um, they've now won five of their last seven games, which has really helped them kind of vault up the BC division uh, standings. And... I'm, you know, he, Crystal, he has some areas that he has to work on still, but you can tell that he's like, you can tell that he's just so skilled and that he's working hard to try to improve his overall game, whether it's on the defensive side, his playmaking has always been, you know, great, but he's such a threat because whether it's either, you know, he has the great shot, he can pass, he can make plays that not many players other can. And now that he has, a uh, player like um, uh, Gabriel Stutz next to him, who he has some connection with, obviously, because Gabriel Stutz is off to a fantastic start as well. So I'm excited to see kind of how he's able to guide that Kelowna Rockets uh, offense throughout the season and where they end up. Uh, if he if he can hit a hundred assists, I I don't, you know, we played this game with Bedard last year where it's like he's definitely not going to do it, and then he just kept proving us wrong. So I don't want to say that. Crystal's not going to hit 107 assists, but I also kind of want him to. Like, I want him to prove me wrong by saying that he he's not going to hit 100 because I will I will eat my words if he if he cracks the 100 assists mark this season. There you go, Andrew. The gauntlet has been dropped. 
now we will move on to our NHL team of the week for this week. And uh, we're still in the Pacific Division, working our way alphabetically. So uh, we're at the San Jose Sharks. And uh, that road takes us back once again to the Portland Winterhawks, who are getting lots of airtime in this episode. Uh, the Sharks have one prospect in the WHL system, and that is a defenseman that you mentioned earlier by the name of Luca Cagnoni. Yeah, so drafted in the fourth round for some reason. Like, I don't know why he was drafted in the fourth round and how, like, how he got to that point. Like, he should have been, you know, a top, what, what, 75 pick? Like, there's no way he should have dropped to the fourth round. It just shows that NHL teams don't like small defensemen. But hey, whatever. It, you know, San Jose's gain from this uh, situation from him dropping. But, uh, you know, one of these new age puck moving defensemen. He's been a massive part of Portland's uh, recent win streak, 12 points in seven games. And I would say that he's in that conversation for defenseman of the year, even though, you know, Portland's only played those nine games so far. Like Luca Cagnoni is a special talent and I, he's another player that I think we're going to look back on in you know, 10, 15 years and be like, how is he a fourth round pick? Yeah, and when you say, you know, a smaller puck-moving defenseman, Quinn Hughes will be the first to tell you that uh, that translates to can't play defense. But um, in Canyoni's case, his defensive numbers are, are good, just like Quinn Hughes's are. He's up to a plus 11 for the year already, which is uh, the same level that he hit last year. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, the Winterhawks have been allowing like zero one goals every game. So um, you can't be too defensively lax if that's what your outcomes are being. And uh, and Cagnoni's playing pretty significant minutes. So uh, I just wanted to point that out as well, that there's more to his game than just his points. And uh, I, I actually think the parallel between him and him and Hughes is pretty strong. So uh, we'll see whether or not he can continue to live up to that lofty comparison as the uh, as the year goes along. Um now, as far as the uh, the Sharks prospects in the AHL, there are a couple of recent WHLers who are now uh, with the San Jose Barracuda relatively early in their pro journeys. Yeah, so we'll start over in Victoria with uh, former uh, captain Gannon LaRock. Um, he had some serious injury issues last season, and they've kind of translated over to this year. He hasn't played a game yet for San Jose, but I, my understanding is that he's skating, which is a really good sign. He looked good in his preseason game when he played Vancouver and I was in the building for that. So uh, we'll see how he develops. Um, and then uh, Ozzy Weisblatt is another high-end prospect drafted in the first round back in uh, 2020. Prince Albert uh, Raider uh, spent the entire season with the Barracuda last year, posting uh, 15 points in 45 games. And then you other have you also have players like Nick Chichek who played for Portland uh, Saskatoon Blades, Tristan Robbins, who even got a chance at the NHL level last year, and uh, Brandon Weekins, Tanner uh, Kaspik. So, you know, good amount of WHL um, in that uh, San Jose uh, prospect system. And then on the Sharks NHL roster, there are a couple of players who both played uh, their junior hockey in Regina. Uh, defenseman Kyle Burrows served as captain of the Pats for two seasons, um, and he earned himself a nice three-year one-way free agent contract with, uh, with San Jose this summer um, after years of having been uh, mostly an AHL guy and then having gotten a bit of an opportunity with Vancouver last year. And then uh, also on the left side of their blue line, they've got Russian defenseman Nikolai Nizhov, 
Uh, he played 19 games with Regina during the 15-16 season and then went back to Russia before being signed by the Sharks as an undrafted free agent in 2019. Um, he's a big dude. He's 6'3 and over 220 pounds. And uh, after splitting his time between the NHL and AHL last year, he's now 25 and playing second pairing minutes for the Sharks this season. So uh, he's settled in and has become a, a relatively important member of, uh, of their blue line core at this point. Uh, so that's our San Jose Sharks. And uh, now we'll move on to uh, Game of the Week, starting first with uh, last week's Game of the Week. Game of last week, I guess. Uh, how'd, how'd that all turn out? Yeah, so we had a Prince George medicine hat. So medicine hat visiting Prince George. And it was a really exciting 7-5 to game. Uh, if you want, you can read a you know detailed uh, recap of the game at thn.com slash WHL over at the Hockey News uh, WHL website. So make sure to uh, check that out for the full recap. But in short, it was a back and forth game. Uh, Medicine Hat thought that they had the win. And then Prince George's offense just kicked into high gear in the last, you know, six minutes of the game, scored three goals. And it was a great opportunity to see uh, Tariq uh, Parasak and Caden Lidstrom, two uh, 2024 draft picks, go head to head because each had multi goal uh, efforts. So it was just kind of like one of those fun games to watch. Uh, overall nice so what do you have uh what do you have on tap for people to check out this week yeah so this week i'm going with a friday night all u.s division showdown uh when wenachi visits everett uh game time is set for 705 uh pacific time so these two have already played once before um back on september 29th when everett squeezed out a 3-2 ot uh victory uh for their first ever victory over the wild um and you know, this game might not really stick out because it's these teams are going to play each other a ton during the season, but I kind of like these counterbalancing teams and I like watching how the games break down. So with Wenatchee, you have a high, you know, like a high octane, high scoring game, you know, all gas, no breaks type of team. Uh, you look at their goals for and goals against, they're both up near the top. And then you have Everett, who the are coming on a little bit stronger lately and they're not, I don't want to say they're no gas, all breaks. Like they, they have some <laughs> offense behind them, but they're like, they're definitely that when you think of Everett, you just think of like a defense, like the best way to describe Everett to people who may not like watch them is like early two thousands, New Jersey devils, where it's just like, they just play the trap type thing. Um, and, but they get wins, right? Like their games are low, low events. So, I'm just kind of curious to see how those two mesh, especially now that, you know, Wenachi has Connor Geeky back and they're kind of in, they got, now they have their coaching situation sorted out and everything's kind of rolling and Everett's kind of finding their form. So I think this is a great game to watch, especially if you're kind of one of those, you're, you're one of those, you like watching like solid games, even if they're not seven, five games, like you just like watching good hockey games. This is definitely one to keep an eye on. Nice. And so that's, uh, yeah, a little bit different from what was on the, uh, on the menu last week, but, uh, that's what we want to, we want to sample all the courses that are available and all the different flavors are on the WHL. So I like the way you're, uh, approaching this. That works for me. Uh, now on to our final segment for this week, which is this week in WHL history. And, uh, rather than focusing on a game or an individual performance, uh, you wanted to spotlight a, huge trade from six years ago that changed the fortunes of two franchises 
Yeah, so October 25th, 2017, uh, Tri-City and uh, Prince Albert made, you know, not the biggest of trades, but they, Tri-City sent uh, winger Brett Leeson to uh, Prince Albert for a third rounder. Uh, Leeson, who started the year with Tri-City with only one point in 12 games, went on to score 32 points in 54 games that season with the Raiders. And it was only really the start of massive things to come because during the 2018-19 season, he finished with 89 points in 55 games and even got the opportunity to play for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Uh, he then followed that up with 25 points in 22 playoff games uh, as Prince Albert won the WHL championship and earned a spot in the Memorial Cup. And uh, side note, I was at one of those WHL championship games uh, when they played Vancouver. And if my memory serves me right, it was like a one nothing game and he scored the game winner on, on a breakaway. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 that was, that whole series was just super exciting, but that's my, that's my memory of Brett Leeson uh, uh, skating down the ice and uh, basically putting that, well, you know, ending that he didn't end the game, but it, it was over when he scored. You could tell um, yeah. after the season, Leeson was drafted by Washington in the second round and he's now with Anaheim. Um, and then when you look at what Tri-City got, they got Car defenseman Carson Haynes. Um, now 20 years old, he, he hasn't been drafted, and he's had a decent career. You know, he's played over 100 games between the Tri-City Americans, Giants, and now Regina Pats. But uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Tri-City uh, probably could have gotten a little bit more for Brett Leeson had they known uh, what he was uh, capable of uh, over the next couple seasons. Uh, and I, and yeah, telling the story of that goal sort of explains your fascination with him as well. Cause once you see a player do something like that, you sort of are just waiting for him to do it a whole bunch more times. And, and that hasn't really been the way that it, that it's worked out. Anaheim did pick him up on waivers last year. Um, and he's, um, he's 25 now. So, uh, even though he hasn't gotten back to that kind of offensive production, it looks like he's in a pretty solid fourth line role. Um, Anaheim's new coach, Greg Cronin is a, a pretty no nonsense guy, if you know what I mean. And so he's built this massive fourth line with um, Leeson and Ross Johnston, who are both six five, flanking uh, Sam Carrick, who is no shrinking violet himself. So um, I think if uh, he's trying to put together a group that will uh, look after some of the Ducks' skilled young players, uh, I think I think we understand what Leeson's role is with the Ducks this year, and he probably is going to be in a pretty solid position to hang on to that uh, as the season goes on. So. Uh, I'm super curious to see how things are going to go in Anaheim. I feel like they're a team that uh, may not win a ton of games, but it's going to be really interesting to watch their evolution this season. Uh, so with that, that's our, uh, our This Week in WHL History note, and that wraps things up for us here today. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. If you haven't done so already, please make sure that you subscribe to THN on the Dub on your favorite podcast platform, and definitely make sure that you check out Adam's WHL section on our website at THN.com slash WHL. Um, he's posting pretty much daily. There's a ton of good stuff up there. The Game of the Week recap, the uh, Gavin McKenna feature, and uh, a bunch of other content as well. So make sure that you uh, take a peek at that. Tune in Friday night for Wenatchee and Everett, and uh, he'll have a write-up on that after it happens as well. And we'll dissect it again next week uh, to check out past episodes of the show. Don't forget to go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast and uh, enjoy the week, enjoy the hockey, and uh, take care. We'll talk to you next week.